Well, hello, everybody, and welcome. Welcome to the Words of Women and Wisdom radio show, streaming live from BBS Radio in California and syndicating to over 100 stations globally, including iHeart and iTunes. I am delighted today to be joined by not just one guest, as usual, but two guests, two guests who are working together to make a significant impact on the stress in people's lives. And I'm going to be sharing a little bit more with uh, my audience, with you all, around how this transformative approach works. So hello, Michelle. How do I pronounce your last name, Michelle? Michelle Hooser? Hauser? Hooser, that's correct. Michelle Hooser, and also uh, talking with Dr. Gazala Radwi. Hello, welcome today. Hello. Hi. Good morning. So we are um, recording, pre-recording this session today because we've got a bit of a coordination, uh, coordination, interesting thing happening today with three people being on the call. However, this is going to be a fascinating interview. So I want you to pay close attention, grab a notepad and pen, because there's going to be quite a bit of information shared. And there also is going to be something I want to mention at the end as well, that is another um, event that is coming up. So Michelle, um, if you have never dialed into the show before, and uh, Gazala, the show is all about speaking with women who have risen from tragedy to triumph. My guests typically have something in their background that has triggered them to step into a mission-inspired business. And now they're out there in the world doing incredible things, making a significant impact to help other women. That's what this show is all about. If you are just dialing in and you're wondering, well, who is Yvonne Silva? Why is she hosting this show? Little backstory, um, I grew up in England, you can tell from my accent, I'm, I'm not born in the States, in the US, in Canada, and literally watched my mom had the dignity drained right out of her by my father. He had PTSD, he came back with a bullet in Dunkirk, and he turned into a very angry man. And he literally, with his abusive criticisms of my mom, drained the dignity right out of her. We never had a full set of china in our house. So so watching her grow up as I grew up, she became my first unmentor. So she showed me what not to do through her actions. And I swore that I was never going to be that person. And then he turned on me as well. So I also lost my voice a little bit, too. So now I work with women, women entrepreneurs in particular, to make sure that no women woman ever has the the misfortune to be not heard and seen and valued. That's the work that I do. So I do that through coaching and mentoring and various other programs. So today, the focus is on my two guests, Michelle and Gazala. So a little bit of background about Michelle. Michelle, um, actually, there was a quote that you shared, Michelle, um, a really interesting one from Sam Harris. I'm interested to learn more about Sam and, and uh, talk a little bit about him for our audience. He says, our minds, we are all, sorry, our minds are all we have. They are all we have ever had. And they are all we can offer to others. Interesting quote. So I gather that this was a quote that changed your life over eight years ago after you personally survived a frightening car accident. And this had left you with a battle 
to battle with a TBI, a traumatic brain injury. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also have an autistic son. So you and I have already connected. We had a great conversation. I have a special needs son as well. Um, so we had some commonality there. And it's really about understanding how to move out of a life that was in a shambles as you had your own injury to deal with and focusing on caring for your son, advocating for him. I understand, I know all about that in the Canadian system. And then, uh, you know, in addition, having years of, of struggling to find caregivers who really understood him, who wanted to give him the best, that in itself can be definitely a challenge. So sometimes uh, caregivers want to um, suppress the potential of our children. And we always want to try and find a path, obviously, to give them their full opportunity. So um, your inner sense of knowing, I'm so intrigued to do this interview, is what guided you back. And then you found this work with Sam Harris, which we'll talk about today. Mm -hmm. So mindfulness is super powerful, um, allowing you to tap into your innate strength, giving you the courage to find what you describe as a path less traveled. So we'll be diving into that because as a passionate mother and uh, wife, you're qualified as a mindfulness-based stress reduction teacher. That's a bit of a mouthful. So let's call it uh, MBSR, right? Um, and, and that is helping people to create balance and resiliency in emotional well-being. So this mm-hmm. is going to be a really interesting conversation. So in addition, with Michelle's background, we also have uh, Dr. Gazala as well here today. Um, just grab your resume here i know that you have done some work with um goba mate so that's this is really interesting so you're in edmonton mm-hmm. um a physician based in edmonton working uh with the field of hematology and transfusion medicine fascinating fascinating you're also a mindfulness practitioner uh, interested in that deep, deep connection between mind, body and soul in what you call wholesome state of health. I think Brene Brown talks about wholeheartedness in her um, book as well. I love that term. So you had a personal experience as well, personal stresses and healthcare issues several years ago, sparking your interest in this topic of mindfulness and um, helping you to find increased clarity. So I am interested in hearing these these stories because, you know, several years ago, healthcare um, issues were something that weren't on the forefront quite as much as they are today with COVID. And yet I think that there is so much more stress in the world with all of the uncertainty. So with your work and your programs, taking the MBSR through Brown University, Mindful Practices through the University of Rochester, you've trained with Dr. Gerber Mate in his Compassionate Inquiry model. I want to learn more about that, too. And also um, polyvagal theory, Hmm, the science of safety and connection. So together you are offering mindfulness courses and both being strong proponents of creating safe and inclusive workplaces. So I'm delighted to dive into the conversation. So Michelle, you and I connected first. So let's hear a little bit more about your story. What happened with your with your brain injury? How did that happen? And how has that shifted 
your perspective on what our bodies are capable of and led to your interest in MBSR? Oh, wow. So I was in a, a car accident about eight years ago. I got T-boned mm. and I was already in a really, I would say, difficult place in my life. And then that car accident, which I really, when you looked at the car, there's really no reason I should have actually walked away from that accident. I was very lucky to only have a, a, a traumatic brain injury. Well, it took me almost a year to heal. And in that year, most of the treatments that I had tried that were more conventional just didn't work. And I was told that I was going to have to live with this brain injury the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And I realized I can't do that because I have a son and I have an autistic son and he was descending into what now we look back upon as the worst part of his autism until we found a treatment that was effective for him. So what I realized, I came across Sam Harris's work first on meditation and mindfulness. And when I read that quote, I thought it, it just, it, it landed so deeply with me because I'm like, it's my mind, it's my brain that that isn't working. And I need to find a way to bring it back to a state of health, not just for me, but for my son. So that put me on the path of meditation. And what I realized is, and I'm sure that's all I can talk more about this too, is the amazing capacity for our bodies to heal when we get in touch with it. Mm. When we learn to separate the symptoms from who you really are, and then you can strip away all that noise a path opens up for you where you're like, Oh, I see the path forward. This is the treatment I need. And I found a treatment that was very effective for my brain injury. Um, I used light therapy, which again is not well known, Mm -hmm. highly effective. And then that put me on a path to start searching for my son to say, okay, I did this for me. Now, what what can I do for him to find that maybe that path less traveled. And I found that mindfulness and meditation gave me the skills to do that because it strips away all the noise from your mind and from what other people are telling you so that you can tune in to your yes inner sense of knowing is what when I think back on those times that was really asserting itself yeah there's a path here I think it's so interesting Michelle because when we have um, uh, an episode like that we have to quieten down. It's like the universe is sort of, you know, knocking with a two by four to say, stop, what you're doing is not working. There is a better way. And let me help find that better way with you. And and I was on a call yesterday with a gal who's going through a cancer treatment. And we, we kind of chuckled about her pole time, where she's literally receiving her meds. And it may be you know, five or six hours that she is connected to a pole she can't just start doing a lot of other things but it really does open up the space that's so important for us to step into a better version of ourselves because usually our lives are so busy especially if we have a child that has medical challenges and specialists and doctor appointments and all of those things I I hear you Michelle I feel your pain Mm -hmm. Um, we don't give ourselves the space often enough until it's presented to us And Dr. Ghazala, did you have a similar kind of experience that led you to this work? Uh, So first of all, I am thrilled to be here in conversation with both of you. And I have so much that I already relate with. um, And it's such a rich conversation. Uh, So the part where, uh, you know, the universe gives you these 
uh, forced pauses, right? <laughs> I have learned that the hard way is that, you know, either you're a willing participant and you kind of slow down or there will be a forced pause. Um, so that sort of happened to me uh, six years ago now. Uh, I was pregnant uh, with my twins um, and uh, in leadership positions at the time, very busy, uh, early in my career, uh, so lots to do, lots to prove. And on that hamster wheel of life where you're just running, 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 and there's this perception that I cannot slow down uh, because if I do, I'm not going to get everything done that I need to. And so uh, during, uh, you know, my complicated twin pregnancy, um, I totally ignored the uh, the signs, the wisdom of the body, what it was asking me to do. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I needed to slow down, I needed to rest, but I was so focused, uh, you know, it's that future thinking of I must get this done so then I can go on maternity leave. Um, and so uh, it was just so fast paced and, and that I missed the signs of even going into preterm labor. Mm. And um, I had immense back pain, like all the classic signs. I'm a physician. I should know better. <laughs> Missed them all. And um, was fortunate that a friend of mine who was the obstetrician who was following me forcefully admitted me to the hospital where I worked at and said, just just for a day uh, to rest. And it was at 31 weeks. And my babies were born two days later. Wow. Uh, they they were uh, so they were born premature. They were uh, they wow. needed to be in the neonatal ICU, uh, and and my my life was like whoa, what's happening right now? Um, and and they were born one day before me hopping on a plane that was planned and going on to my next rushed uh, you know place. And so I shudder to think of what would have happened if the if the girls, my twins, would have been born on that plane. Um, and in my rush of not noticing what was happening. Yeah. And if and if that wasn't enough of a pause, uh, 10 days later, um, I I had a massive pulmonary embolism. So a lung clot and where I could literally not breathe. Um, and so I was in hospital as well and unable to breathe and realizing the importance there in the 10 days that I stayed in hospital, I had ample time to reflect and think about, okay, what is going on here? And realizing that I'd missed so many signs, but not only that, that my levels of stress were so high that they likely contributed to both. Yeah. Um, you know, the babies being born early um, and also my own health. And so that was my, that was my pause after wow. which I started to regularly meditate. I started with one minute um, a day, 60 mm-hmm. seconds. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the journey unfolded from there. It's it's so fascinating that we just don't give ourselves that pause time. And especially even during COVID, right? The great leveler, no matter what age, what race, what religion, what lifestyle, um, you know, we're, we all have been impacted by it in different ways. And even though that massive Um, event has happened globally I still think that there are a lot of people who are not awake (laughs) who haven't realized that when you actually create space in your day to have quiet time 
it's so, so powerful. It's actually part of my morning ritual. So when I first get up, my first half hour of the day is, you know, brush my teeth and then come into my meditation room right away, get grounded. I have some recordings I'm listening to right now that are, you know, full full 32 megahertz and above. And then um, they also have hollow sync in the background. So they're very um, directive. But then I also have time afterwards to do some literally sitting in quiet time, being mindful, doing my gratitude journal, looking and doing my visualization. And then I'm grounded for the day and I can support my clients because I am also trained in Reiki as well as a certified executive coaching. So I try to bring those practices into my coaching work when I feel that someone has a energy block you know a lot of times with my female clients it's in their throat so how do we release that block how do we get them connected again to their root etc but mindfulness such an important topic because when our lives are so busy ladies think about this when you go into your closet in the morning can you actually see what you have to wear or uh, is it so jam-packed full of clothing that you, you can't even see what's in there? Uh-huh. So we're in a new year. I'm encouraging you right now to step into your power in a number of ways. We're going to hear from more from Michelle and uh, Dr. Gazala. But just doing a simple thing this weekend, go into your closet and start paring down. Take out anything that's got a broken zip. The color doesn't fit the season. It's uh, not the right size anymore. It's got a big stain on it. Get rid of those things that do not serve you. Get them out of your closet so you have space. So you have space in your world to actually see what's really going on. Mm -hmm. (sighs) It's not quite spring yet. You can't (laughs) call it spring cleaning, but let's get let's get organized before the end of January because we're already into the new year. So tell me a little bit more, Michelle, about this whole topic of um, your training, because it sounds fascinating. Um, It sounds like a really interesting topic. How did you learn about what training was available and why did you choose that particular program you took? So I, I practiced for a few years on my own. Like most meditators, we get into it, we practice on our own, and then we realize we need some help. So I connected with some local groups and we would uh, meditate together. But then when I realized I wanted to actually start teaching because I realized the power of mindfulness in my life and I wanted to bring it to other people, I basically, I just did a Google search and Mm -hmm. I wanted to find a program that was knowledge-based and that was backed by evidence. And then I found mindfulness-based stress reduction. Right. which was started by the University of Massachusetts and John Kabat-Zinn in 1979. So love I, John's work, love, love, love. <laughs> and when I found that, I just, I knew, I'm like, this is the program. It, it's it's a fairly extensive training program that um, that both Gazala and I, that's how we met in the training program because mm-hmm. it goes over several years versus a lot of meditation programs. It's maybe a weekend or a few months. This is very in-depth. And for somebody, I, I love neuroscience. I love books. I love knowledge. I love understanding how the brain works. Mm-hmm. Because for me, that was when I could unravel that puzzle. I'm like, that's why my mind does this. And then I could start connecting it to my body. And that's why I love, yeah, I love John's work because it's so encompassing. Yeah. When I was writing um, my best-selling book, Words, Women and Wisdom, the modern art of confident conversations. There's some references in there to some of the world's greatest teachers, including a little bit about um, David Rock's work as well. 
And um, there's a, an interesting study you may have run across. Uh, listeners, you'll find this really intriguing. Um, it was actually part of an article um, called The Neuroscience of Leadership. Um, and it taught about a study that was done. Uh, Bain Kopelman is the name of the study, where they actually had managers trained on how to be more efficient. Um, when they measured their success, they measured the efficiency uptake as being 26%. But when they actually, sorry, 28%, when they added on coaching afterwards to help them integrate the new learnings, the efficiency went up to 88%. So a huge uptick from, from literally a 60% uptick when you added coaching on. So I think that any of the programs where we take a, a little piece and then there's an opportunity to continue being in touch with the facilitator or the instructor or to be coached and integrate it into your lifestyle, that's when we see the biggest difference. So I'm thrilled that it wasn't just a weekend course. My certification in coaching wasn't a weekend course. It was like six months of intensive, you know, 245 hours of training. Um, and it does make such a, a massive difference. John Kabat-Zinn, I think, is fairly well known because he was one of Oprah's book um, authors. And that started a lot of interest in his work. But also just is so powerful, so powerful. Gazala, what is it that you also recognized as you were adding that tool to your medical training? Well, it was uh, recognizing the essence of what mindfulness is. Yeah. Um, and I as well, after doing my personal meditation practice for about a year, uh, searched and found um, the MBSR course. It was in person at that time. Right. Um, and during the immersive eight weeks, I realized the essence of mindfulness was beyond stress reduction it was beyond sort of giving me a, you know, a technique and a checklist of, you know, how I can improve my life and make it better. It was in essence, it was in a way of being yeah. um, where you're able to tap into, uh, you know, the, our, that word innate, you know, that inner sense of knowing that you also spoke, spoke about. Mm -hmm. um, so there's that wisdom and um, it, it really is a state of being. I think sometimes there's a, a misconception as to what mindfulness is and it's thought of as a technique or a skill or a tool yep. whereas it's really a way of being it's how you embody you know yourself and that was you know that was the key for me because so when you're when you've embodied wisdom and compassion as a physician as a human being um you know working with others working with your colleagues with your patients it's a different way of relating to the world and so the possibilities are endless as to the ripple effects of that. It's, it's a whole other way of being. And I think very, very much needed in our current medical culture, mm -hmm. uh, which has become very automated. And we have um, followed models of factories and uh, where things are produced yep. of, you know, metrics of, you know, productivity. And, and so in that we've lost touch with our humanity. And this is a profession that requires you to be very much in touch with your humanity and that of others. And that's where um, MBSR and mindfulness uh, like are central for me. Absolutely. So it sounds like um, it's not only helping you navigate your daily life, but also now being such a, such a big contributor to how you show up in a more mindful way with your patients and deeper compassion, deeper understanding 
that you've been able to bring into your practice through that? Absolutely. With, the, with patients, with colleagues, um, and also uh, with learners, yeah. because, you know, there's generations coming through now. Yeah. Well, different learners um, have different learning styles. Uh, we talked a little bit earlier mm-hmm. on, Michelle and I, about different personality styles and how people embrace learning. And that's something that, you know, when you are concentrating on the beingness, right, the wholeheartedness of what it is that you're teaching, a lot of times it's not even in the language you use or the specific words or techniques. It's the essence of the teacher and how they show up, how they communicate what the art is of that particular topic, that particular lesson. Michelle, what about for yourself? Um, how does mindfulness or the, or the, the lack of it impact people's health and well-being, do you think? Oh, that's, that's a big question. <laughs> Um, Well, there's research out there showing that up to 70% of family doctors visits, the one of the underlying issues is stress. Mm -hmm. We're not in touch with ourselves and our bodies, it it can lead to a whole host of health challenges. And people just not being in touch with themselves and their patterns. Because that's one thing that mindfulness and MBSR really shows us. How do we react in the moment? And what are those patterns? Because we have habitual ways of being and reacting that very often we think are spontaneous. But then when you can sit down in a quiet space and start to examine it, you can see where you're like, oh, that's a pattern reasserting itself. Maybe I, I eat because I'm feeling emotional. And, you know, that can lead to health challenges. So that's where the lack of it, so many of us are not interacting from who we really are. We're reacting from our patterns. Mm. That's beautiful. I love that. What would you say to that, uh, Gazala, as well, Dr. Gazala? Uh, as Michelle said, so much to be said there. But I, I would start with, you know, even just really simple things. If when we are rushing through life, you know, an autopilot, the chances that you're going to bump into something and bruise yourself, you're going to trip over something, you're going to rear end someone when you're, you know, driving out, you're going to miss something that is um, um, right there in front of you, but you were not seeing it. So, you know, that's just some really, you know, practical examples of, of how it can affect your physical health. And then from within, from within, um, our bodies have this incredible wisdom in them of homeostasis, the, which means, you know, a state of equ- equilibrium, mm-hmm. of, of recalibrating, of, of finding that inner, you know, regeneration, we, the body is doing that all the time. But when there is, a, we are in a state of chronic stress, chronic or acute stress, mm-hmm. then that inner recalibration, regeneration is out of balance. And so the effects of that are so many on practically every every system of the body. Um, and that's where you know, mindfulness is tapping into your body's innate wisdom. It knows how to 
um, recalibrate, regenerate, and do so many of these things. If only we would get out of our own way and <laughs> and flow into life, right? Um, and so that that really is what it's about. And it's been linked. I mean, MBSR is helpful for for so many things, you know, anxiety, depression, um, and so many physical conditions as well. You know, pain um, and, and numerous um, uh, numerous. There's numerous programs out there um, in terms of where mindfulness is. Um, you know, a helpful, the, the MBS, sorry, I mean, is a helpful program alongside whatever else, you know, is being offered, whatever treatments, whatever medications. So an adjunct and to really enhance that body's ability uh, to do what it needs to do. Right. So Michelle, why do you think that it's become so much more popular in the last 10 years? I mean, it started that it was more, um, you know, if you were in the in the yoga studio that you'd be, you know, hearing the term mindfulness, and yet that's been creeping more and more into the corporate arena as well. What do you think shifted in the last 10 years to put the focus on, on that, more interest in it? I think people sense. I think all of us have that sense of knowing. And I think as a society, we're starting to realize something is off with how we're living and how we're interacting with each other. And I think that's why you're seeing yoga studios, MBSR, mindfulness, because people have, we, we know what we need. We really do. And I think that that voice is getting louder and louder. And people are saying, like what Gazella talked about, being on that hamster wheel. Mm-hmm. That people are like, this doesn't bring me joy and this doesn't bring me health. And that they're starting to feel that message and they're starting to honor that message to say, I need to go do something for myself and that's okay. Yeah. Joy is such a powerful word. Joy and joy. Um, it's one of the questions in one of my programs too is, you know, what is it? Like literally, you know, list 10 things. What is it that brings you the most joy? And it's a, an area that, um, having been through burnout myself, well, we didn't talk about this before, but um, about uh, seven years ago, um, the reason that that happened was because I was actually serving the wrong clients. I was serving male clients. I remember very clearly being in the boardroom, delivering a report that was actually a report summary of a harassment investigation because I have an HR, 20 years of HR uh, before going into coaching in the last 10 years. Um, so I had done this harassment investigation and the I remember the VP looking at my report, very quickly looking at my summary, slapping the cover shut and saying, well, that's great. Thank you very much for doing this. However, we've decided we're going to go in this direction. And it was completely different than what I had recommended in my report, which was something to do without breaking any confidences telling any company names was something around something that you could not coach a manager not to do because it was a values-based choice they were making Mm. um so I I felt like I literally got kicked in the stomach I mean I hadn't I'd worked so hard on that report and put other client work aside to deliver it urgently because it was needed urgently and yet it just felt like the wrong move. And I ended up taking three months off. I chose to step into the space of emptiness and not be so busy with my clients that I couldn't see what I really needed. And that emptiness, (laughs) it's that in itself, I found stressful initially just to be able to slow down and have a whiteboard that was actually literally a blank face Instead of a vision board, a busy one that I usually have, it was like a blank space and I couldn't figure out what I was going to put on the vision board. 
for for six weeks of staring at nothing was hard. It is hard to slow down, isn't it? Yes. Yes. And, and yet it led me in a completely new direction, focusing much more, coming back to my center, supporting women, women entrepreneurs, and in particular, mission-inspired entrepreneurs, which is why I'm so glad to have this conversation today, because the work that you're doing, it's so impactful. So I know that um, I want to hear more, particularly towards the end, if you've got your pen and paper out, um, I, I'd like to, to encourage something special coming out of this. But can you just share a little bit about what would a mindfulness session look like? Like for someone who's never done that kind of training, um, if they were interested to you know, take a class with you or dive into it a little bit, what would that include? Well, if in terms of the MBSR lens, so we'll, we'll address this through an MBSR class. So it's a combination of mindfulness and meditation exercises. You'll come in, you'll have your um, teacher or guidance person who's guiding you. You come in, we do some meditation exercises, but a big part of that, we talk about our experiences. So then you learn how to meditate, but then there's a lot of class dialogue. Because we find that that's how people learn, especially adults. They learn by doing and then sharing. And then the MBSR facilitator will very often have a a short topic where they'll talk about usually stress, stress physiology, perception, right? I thought that you had pointed something very interesting when you were talking about, I stared at a whiteboard for six weeks and the perception that that was so difficult, but that when that dissolved, the path opened up for you. Yeah. Right. So then, and then, so we spend a fair amount of time dialoguing and, and speaking about these things so that people have a nice balance between it's not an hour and a half of meditation. Right. You had to meditate and then we talk about it and then we share our experiences. Powerful, powerful. Um, the, the whole topic, I said, mindfulness, um, John Kabat-Zinn, I know that he has uh, quite a bit of work out there um, that you're referencing. But I'm also curious about, you know, how it can help not just individuals. Um, I mean, you and I, Michelle, have, you know, we both have children that have extra needs. They're super special, right? Um, But I think that even though we've both become very aware of, you know, tapping into our bodies, tapping into our energy, that whole, you know, the holistic approach to living in life, um, not everybody is at that level yet they haven't had the two by four from the universe yet so um i'm curious you know how can mindfulness not only help individuals do you think and maybe this is um, a comment or a question for uh, dr gazala um how can it help society as a whole thanks for asking that question that is such an important question um and i think it speaks um to some of the the misconceptions out there about mindfulness mm-hmm. um, as it being an individual activity of sort of self-indulgence, um, zoning out and, and, and uh, you know, just living in a bubble. And it really isn't. It really is. Um, it, it is cultivated in community, mindfulness, mm-hmm. um, and the purpose, you know, like it's to what end are you cultivating this awareness 
Uh, and it really is in that relational aspect with life. And, and we know in leadership, right, that self-awareness and authentic leadership. Now, there's a lot of literature coming out about this, is that it's, it's one of your first and key steps of, of becoming a more effective leader. Yep. It starts with your own awareness. Um, and, and I mean, that innately makes sense, right? But yet, uh, are, are we there? And so that's where that, that is for me is that there are mindful, you know, as we have mindful leaders, you know, with presence of heart, like that's the other um, word that John Kabat-Zinn uses or, or for, for mindfulness. It's not just, the, it's not the mind, it's presence of heart. So if we bring that presence of heart as leaders, you know, then we create mindful organizations. And what, what do mindful organizations look like? They look quite a bit different from the organizations that we have right now. They're mm. trauma-informed spaces. They are inclusive spaces. They are safe spaces. They are you know, spaces that make accommodations uh, for people and for life, you know, for illness, for uh, you know, maternity and paternity leaves, um, you know, for mental health um, issues, you know, part and parcel of life. So though that is my kind of vision of this. Right. So mindful leader, mindful at this individual self and then mindful leadership, mindful organizations, you know, mindful world. Mm. You're speaking my language because, you know, coming from 20 years of senior HR roles, um, having interviewed and hired about 6,000 people in my career, there was nothing more discouraging as an HR person than hiring some amazing people and then the the managers not leading and managing them effectively and they left right away right or within a short period of time whereas right. if you know if we know that people will leave managers before they'll leave organizations so it is really about how you as the leader show up so you're not just about getting the result no matter what um, method is used but it's about how you get to that result are you living in alignment with the culture of your organization are you doing it in a collaborative connected caring way are you really operating as a team because there's no i in the word team right um and, and and as the leader you set the tone you set the pace you set the flavor and when people deviate too far from the path it's your role to bring them back on track so I'm excited to hear that this kind of work is now getting more into the mainstream and getting more into corporations so if you're listening to this uh, radio show and you're thinking wow I want to know more what is the best way for them to get to know more about what's possible for culture shift with more mindfulness inside organizations? Because I think that's super powerful. We could do a lot more work and have a lot bigger impact by working with leaders and corporate groups. Well, we have a, uh, an event, a free event that we're offering on February 12th at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. Okay. Uh, so that's a 90-minute session where uh, it's sort of a, a brief a kind of a, a taste of things to come. It is about uh, the what the MBSR program is, but also um, how it can be used uh, to enhance what uh, you know everything we just talked about, including uh, you know culture and system changes. Because mm -hmm. culture and system changes are you know they're not they're not objects. They are created by people. Yeah. Right. So that's where the power is. 
Excellent. So that's coming up February 2nd. And what time did you say? February 12th. So February 12th? At uh, 10 a.m. Mountain Time. 10 a.m. Mountain Time. And it's via Zoom. It's a virtual session, right? It is a virtual session. Great. So make a note of that. Make sure that you tap into that. It's a, a complimentary session to give you more information on what's possible using mindfulness and particularly I love the idea of more leaders attending this session to really um, take it from being something that you know could be considered a bit of a woo-woo topic Mm -hmm. into something that has a direct specific measurable impact because that's what we want in organizations and I think right now there is um, you know so there's been so many people disconnected from their organization you know they're working from home they're not feeling the energy of the team as much Um, that is partly stressful and then the the thought of you know having to come back to work and having to come into the office for those who've been enjoying working from home is equally stressful so Michelle what else can you add on this whole topic of taking the training and the benefit, the direct benefit that people would receive by diving into this? Well, I think it, it goes a lot to what Kazala said, building mindful organizations and mindful systems. But I think that the core and the heart of MBSR is it puts you in touch with you because people, what, what a little known fact is we co-regulate as human beings. So we, we're often given this message, uh, and especially in our generation, Yvonne, pull yourself up. Yeah, yourself up together, right? And we miss that we actually regulate as a group. So as a leader, if you are not well regulated, and I find a lot of leaders mistake regulation for the appearance. So they appear calm, Mm -hmm. but they're not calm and their central nervous systems are dysregulated and they think that no one else knows it. But people, we sense it, you know, you have those gut feelings, there's something there. So it helps cultivate that groundedness that you spoke about that you do every morning. So if you can be a grounded leader, you can be a mindful leader. And that's something that for Ghazala and I is very important. So we are offering um, to the first four female leaders who sign up for our course, free tuition and a free scholarship. So that you can enjoy the MBSR course, the full eight week course, and then take those teachings into their workplace for not only women, but their entire workforce, but especially for women, because one of the most important things that I've learned through my mindfulness journey is boundaries. Mm. So many women, we still struggle with boundaries and that evolves naturally through a mindfulness practice so that then they can pass that information along. So we're pleased to offer those first four scholarships. Wow. Did you hear that? Did you hear that audience members? Four? scholarships so if you want to be one of the first ones to take advantage of that generous offer that is phenomenal to have a complimentary opportunity to step into the course wow what a gift that is how do people get to how do they get in touch with you how do they book that michelle um all they have to do is go to um our website which is meditative solutions.com which i think that there is there'll be a link to include it on the show and i will include it in the notes yes yes they just have to tap on mbsr course at the top and then there's all the registration information and also our contact information if they have any questions or concerns okay so they can book through there um, and if they want to reach out directly to you about the scholarship Mm -hmm. is there a contact page on there is that the easiest way to 
yeah, identify they, that they heard and they want to they want to access that? Yeah, they can just tap on the contact us where it's Michelle at meditative.solutions and then just let us know we heard you on the radio station and we're here signing up for, you know, I guess mindful MBSR, mindful leadership MBSR. Excellent. So this is a gift. Um, very often I encourage my guests, my, my guests to bring something forward. I wasn't sure whether or not we were going to have an opportunity to do that today. So in the moment, thank you so much. That's such a generous gift. This is such a powerful topic, this topic of being still. And, and Michelle, you talked a little bit about it earlier. I very often use a, an analogy with my clients of if you imagine that you're standing in a pond Right. And, and as soon as you start stepping into action and you're being really busy, you're kicking up a ton of mud from the bottom of the pond. Mm-hmm. And when you have all that mud in the water, you just can't see. You can't see what's really going on. Mm-hmm. But if you stand stock still, let the water settle. It's amazing what clarity you actually have. And this is one of the simplest ways of explaining in my in my world, when I've explained to my clients about the importance of taking time for themselves to get grounded, especially as women. Yeah. Wives, yeah. mothers, you know, we we support so many other people. We cannot give from an empty place. If we're not rock solid in our own energy first for the day, then how can we support all of the other things that need to happen during the day? Super powerful. Yeah. How else would you um align the work that you're doing with being a female leader in particular dr gazala maybe um so before i answer that's just a really i think a crucial um point as well about the stillness yeah. is that what we also explore in our mbsr program is uh the why what are your personal reasons for being unable to be still yes there is there is a reason that you are on that hamster wheel and some of it is what you are trying to achieve and some of it what you are avoiding Mm. so um so there is a reason there's a very wise reason within our bodies as well of knowing when to do something um and when to slow down to slow down when i have the tools to to look at what will come up in those waters that pond you know what am i going to see there and so sometimes that inner wisdom is, is, you know, it's, there's a reason it's keeping you busy and distracted. And so we also look at that. And I, I, I did want to point that out because I know, uh, you know, from our experience of teaching and of doing this ourselves, mm-hmm. people will sometimes be discouraged because they will tell you, I am not able to, to I, I, I just, I can't, I don't know how to, um, and, and, and that, and, and that all is welcome. Like, yeah please do come. Uh, So you don't need any particular uh, meditation experience. And you don't have to know how to be still before you come to this program, because we look at that. That is exactly what we do. So, so I just wanted to point that out. Um, And then I think your question was, um, how this work um, pertains to to, uh, leadership, especially um, as women. Yeah. Um, That's a really interesting question. for me, the, the part where it's been super helpful has been the compassion part. Mm-hmm. Um, with the mindfulness, there has been also um, self-compassion. And we know from Kristen Neff's work that there's the tender self-compassion, but there's also the fierce self-compassion. And the fierce self-compassion is standing, stepping into your own worth, knowing it, 
mm-hmm. then speaking from that place of um, authenticity and knowing that as a woman, when you find your voice, um, it will, it will, it may be judged. You may be shut down. You may be labeled, uh, you know, cause that is, these are patterns. These are stereotypes that we're breaking. Right. So I think that is part and parcel of this mindfulness work. It has been for me, the increasing self-awareness, but also the cultivation of compassion uh, towards myself and others in being authentic and bringing my voice forward. And then yeah. that is the key to then, you know, the changes as a, as a leader. Yeah. I'm, I see that a lot in my work as well. Um, you know, my, my flourish program really dives into, you know, if you started a business and you want to flourish more in your business, you know, let's, let's go back to the roots of why did you start this business and how has it compared to the reality versus where you, where you thought you were going to be at um, and what's different but also deeply looking at why is it that you have this unique DNA that creates the opportunity for you to be the only one who can serve in that way to deliver that product, that service, that offering, and really looking at the value, you know, whether you are in business for yourself and being able to articulate your value, uh, a very simple approach I, I wrote about in my in my best-selling book, Words, Women and Wisdom, The Modern Art of Confident Conversations, is how to have that conversation where you're talking about your uh, accomplishments, but you're not doing it in a way that feels icky and feels like bragging because women generally don't like that. <laughs> we don't like that feeling. So if you're clearly stating, you know, what you did, when you did it, why you did it, what the impact was, and what were the measurable results. It's a very easy way to just speak the truth. This is what I did. It's yes. not bragging. It's clearly showing this is what the problem was. This is how I responded to it. And now this is the outcome. This is where we're at. Where do we go from here? Um, and it, it just takes it to a more structured approach that a lot of women have found really helpful when they have that, you know, what, when, why, where, how kind of concept. So there's a lot of value, I think, in what you're sharing today, uh, particularly about the concepts, but also about you know, the bigger play, that this could have a much bigger ripple effect. And particularly now, because there are so many people that are in organizations, there are people who are not working, um, who are homeschooling and parenting, who have a lot of um, a lot of stress in their life and have been running so hard, they haven't given themselves the grace until I say the universal two by four comes along. In your case, Michelle, you know, um, uh, you know, it was uh, an accident. But we don't give ourselves that grace to take the time we need to have the clarity and to have the groundedness and really connect in. And I have had clients where they're so busy running um, that it it does make me question and and dig into, you know, what is it that you're avoiding by doing all that activity? What is the unhealed? What is the unintegrated energy that needs to really connect in your body in order for you to come from a place of wholeness? Yeah. So Michelle, what have you learned as a, as you've looked at this with that lens of, you know, how you show up as a female entrepreneur? What are, what are your biggest lessons? Mm, I, I think what you just said just really hit with me unhealed. And that if you, if you want to lead and you want to create something, you want to do it from a place where you're doing it because it's your mission, it's your calling, not because you're running from something. 
Right. You're running towards something, something bigger and greater. Yes. And that this gives especially female entrepreneurs the tools that they need to say, this is my path. It's mine, not yours. No one else's vision for me, but my own. And then embrace it and then move forward with it and move forward with it with confidence, knowing that you are in the right path and that there's going to be bumps along the road. And that mindfulness is about what, you know, Gazala had referred to that you're not always going to be still and that's okay because that's part of the practice. So you learn to roll with the punches. Mm, That's a beautiful way to sum it up, isn't it? Mm. Mm. And, and when women can really step into our power and when we're putting the focus, even for a small portion of the day, on our own health, our own well-being, our own strength and learning practices that we can come back to throughout the day. So we're not just doing it as um, I mean, I focus on it as a morning ritual every day, no matter what. And if I don't do it, I feel it. <laughs> So in the past where there's been a little wavering, um, you know, about 10 o'clock in the morning, 1030 in the morning, I'm like, no, I need to stop. (laughs) I need to come back to center um, because otherwise it's very hard to support others. That journey, though, I think is so impactful when both of you have had a experience that was significant, traumatic. And could have very easily set you on a different path had you not had these tools to dive into and really learn about. And it's beautiful that you're now bringing that into the arena of teaching so that everybody can have more accessibility for the work that you're doing. That's just beautiful. Any last thoughts on this whole topic of leadership, women, meditation, um, how mindfulness can really strengthen what we bring not just to our own lives but to the lives of others I'd like to share that you know uh, we talk about these sort of training programs and morning rituals and all of those things are very very important and also that mindfulness is in the daily details of the of of what we may look at as the ordinary Mm. so in your morning cup of coffee you know, and actually sipping it, tasting it, smelling it, the joys of living, yeah. you know, because life is, you know, is it all just striving, 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 or is there an enjoyment of the simple pleasures? And that, that is mindfulness as well. Yeah. And that when we are able to uh, have those joys, as you said, joy is such a powerful word, right? That then, you know, all the things that you mentioned, leadership, um, system changes, they come from that place, that full place of love and joy. And that just looks really different. So mindfulness is in, is the, as our way of being, and it's in the, the ordinary details of mm-hmm. life. It's so true. And I, I can directly relate to your comment because after that experience I shared of burning out, I went searching for joy. And I know that sounds to you both educated in this field. It sounds crazy, but I went looking for joy. Like, how can I have more joy in my life? Mm. And it was only when I stopped running in circles that I realized that it was actually all around me. 
all the time mm. it was in those smaller moments it was mm. looking up and seeing you know a, a blue sky with an airplane with a tail and knowing that somebody was going somewhere exotic mm. or was just getting away and having some time for themselves watching the sunrise in the morning and really appreciating that it doesn't it doesn't take miracles um it's those small moments and being present to them yes yes beautiful Michelle, any additional thoughts? No, I, I totally agree because when you were talking about that, it reminded me of when my son was younger and sometimes I had the perception the entire day was horrible. But then when I started to meditate, I realized there was hard parts during the day, but there was also some beautiful moments too. Yeah. And I thought when you, when you talked about those small moments, people underestimate their power and, and, mindfulness it's amazing when you can tune into those small moments how healing and nourishing they are and how they can get you through sometimes some some things you thought you could never walk through but those small moments are really they're the gold yeah they are and and in this day and age I think it's really important to take time to understand and appreciate the perspective of of others excuse me to be more caring, more appreciative, more understanding, acknowledging that, you know, we're all going through COVID together. Everyone's coping with it, dealing with it, managing it in a different way Mm -hmm. and being, um, being kind to ourselves. I think we need that Mm -hmm. in this, um, in this show, we mentioned earlier, if you didn't quite have your pen ready or you were dialing in halfway through the show, we mentioned that there was a gift Michelle and uh, Dr. Gazala have kindly gifted four scholarships to uh, the first four people that that uh, approach them, connect with them, and want to take advantage of that for their upcoming course. So I really hope that um, whoever is needing that, it's, this is going to land for you as a beautiful gift, that you want to go to the media, I can't even say it without more coffee, meditative <laughs> How do Michelle, how do you say it? Meditative. So meditative. Med- there we go. Meditative solutions.com uh, website. I'll put that in the show notes. Um, connect through the connect page uh, with uh, Michelle or Dr. Gazala and enroll in this. If you are a corporate leader listening to this, consider how you could make such a bigger impact with your staff if you were a leader showing up with this kind of training yourself and what impact that could actually give for your team as well and bringing something like the powerful gift of mindfulness into your corporate culture it really is a gift so I want to thank you both for joining me today as we wrap up and um, it's been interesting if you'd like to Keep in touch with um, Michelle and Dr. Gazala. You know how to do that now through their website. And if you'd like to stay in touch with me or learn more about the next thing I have coming up, actually on February the 2nd, I'm stepping into a conversation that's actually about closing more sales. And we do that not through looking at objections, but looking at the people, the people that you're connecting with, how to have a deep connection of know, like, and trust quickly. And that might be an interesting session. You can find out more about that connecting with me on LinkedIn, Yvonne E.L. Silva. Thank you for joining me today, ladies, and being on the BBS radio show. This has been fascinating. I'm going to certainly be pulling out some more of my books around this work. And I really encourage everyone to take a breath appreciate 
and be joyful about the small moments in your life that make up that important day for you and enjoying your best life so that you can also be in service to others. Thank you, ladies, for joining me today. Have a beautiful day, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you, Yvonne. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. And we will talk again soon. Bye for now, everybody.